Um, so, we're in Apprentice of Jesus. I've mentioned this already. So, um, and what we've seen is basically I've used the word apprentice and I've, I've stolen this from someone else. Don't worry, I'm not that original. Um, <laughs> and the next kind of thing, it's this idea that an apprentice is basically a disciple. It's kind of a, a bit more of a modern way of saying it. It's probably not exactly the same, but it gives that idea of um, an apprenticeship to Jesus. Um, and what we've been saying is that at the core of being an apprentice of Jesus is that you spend time with Jesus, that you become more like Jesus and you do what he did. You spend time with Jesus, you become more like him and you do the things that he did. And you see this in an apprenticeship in many ways. Um, in a lesser way, you see this kind of in, in carpentry or elect, um, electrician um, apprenticeship. Um, and you're, you're spending time with this person who's teaching you all the time. You're becoming more like a carpenter every time. And then you, after you've learnt a certain amount, you, you start to do what a carpenter does. You start to become it um, more and more. So we've looked at uh, what does it look like to be an apprentice of Jesus. Um, and so far we've looked uh, at where we're centred and we're grounded in the Bible. Um, that is the place uh, that we go to to navigate this life, to know what our purpose is with Jesus. But it is the thing that kind of it teaches us. It moulds us rather than us moulding it to us, if that makes sense. Um, we talked about prayer. We did an awesome service in, in the foyer there where we literally we said, this is so important to being an apprentice of Jesus that we want to pray. Prayer is so important that we just want to take some time to go pray. So we went through the Lord's Prayer in there and then we've done Christ-centered community. So the thing that uh, us as individuals but as a community, the thing that we're united by, the thing that we look to um, at the center point of our faith and, and being an apprentice of Jesus isn't something, isn't some social issue, it isn't some politics or anything like that, but it's Jesus. There's nothing else. We are centered around God. We're centered around Jesus. So to this week, I'm going to be talking about um, loving God and loving others as being a central part of being an apprentice of Jesus. So one of the core goals that each of us should have as disciples, as apprentices of Jesus, is in, in, in growing to be more like him, is to love God and love others. So, if you, I'll have it on the screen uh, just now. But if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 22, if you're reading along, uh, verses 34 to 40, it's quite a common passage. So, Jesus, he's talking, he's hanging out with this uh, like a lawyer slash Pharisee. Um, so he must be a pretty smart guy. Um, but a Pharisee, for those of you who don't know, it's kind of like a first century uh, Jewish kind of religious leader of, of the time. Um, and he's, he's, he's hanging out with them and he asks Jesus this question. He's just like, what is the greatest commandment? And for context, why he'd be asking this is because like they, they spent a lot of time in the law. They spent a lot of time in commandments and following them, whether it's like the written ones or the um, oral traditions or other ones that they've um, kind of done. And he's asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What's the, best, what's the greatest one of them all? And he, turns, um, and he says this, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law 
and the prophets. Quite a powerful passage. So, Jesus says that the greatest and most important thing that you could be following, the, the thing that you're commanded to do in a way, is to love him with everything of who you are. That's why, it's, it, that's why it goes into, um, you'll see it in, in Luke as well, it, it's with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And in, in a roundabout way, that's saying every aspect of you not just your spiritual side of you, but your physical and your mind. All the aspects of who you are as a whole need to be striving to love God, to love God with your everything. And this, this wasn't a new command either. Like It wasn't like Jesus just revolutionised the world and kind of went, yes, this is a new command. Like He's actually quoting Deuteronomy um, chapter 6, verses uh, 4 to 5 in here. Often we call it the Shema. Um, where the, the Lord your God is one. And then he goes on to say this, that there is one God and he is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and so forth. And so it was, and they used to pray this in, in Jewish culture a lot um, and, like, and to remind themselves of this. So it was quite central to what they were thinking at the time and they were regularly kind of reminded of it. So it's kind of like... It's how I look at it, like Jesus is obviously here with us, but I'll just use the illustration. It's a vertical kind of relationship. It's a vertical love toward God with your whole being of who you are. That's the greatest and best thing we could ever be doing. But Jesus, he doesn't just stop there. If you see in the passage, he, he goes on. He, he says, is that the second one, there's a second great commandment, and it's just like the first one. It's just like the first one. Um, so the second greatest thing we should be doing is actually loving each other. So the greatest commandment, the second greatest commandment is to love each other as ourselves. So the greatest thing we could, the second greatest thing we should be doing is loving one another as ourselves. And the and the idea of this, and we've talked about this before, the idea is that they're kind of two sides to the one coin. It's two sides to the one thing. So if you're if you're seeking in your relationship with God and your walk with life, with everything of who you are as a, an apprentice of Jesus, to, to, to love God. And, and theoretically, out of that, you should be able to love other people. It's kind of this on-flow. And through your love, you almost point and you love God more by loving other people. And as you love God, you love other people. Does that make sense? It kind of feeds into each other. And they're, they're both very, very important in Jesus' thinking. And the greatest example of this kind of love God, this love others kind of um, uh, combo is actually where we see this in interplay happen the most and the best example of it is, lo and behold, the life and teachings of Jesus. <laughs> we see it in him. He is uh, quoted to be love in, um, in John. And... Um, But, and I think this is actually really important to understand, that where we see love um, being done and, and who does it and how we define love actually is first and foremost through what we see in Jesus. 
Um, and that doesn't sound super revolutionary, but I want to pick on that for a little bit because we live in a we live in a time where love actually isn't it doesn't look quite the same. And we'll see this is that love it's uh, it's kind of taught to us that it's it's more like a feeling. Um, it's important to know what your definition of love is. So a lot of popular media uh, and kind of pop culture will teach us that about love that it's uh, it's a feeling and it's kind of not much more than that, not much more than a feeling. And you can fall kind of in and out of love. And if you kind of do fall out of love, then you're perfectly fine to move on. This is almost the encouragement that it's actually okay to, you don't have that feeling anymore, so you move on. It teaches us that if someone, whether it's a friend or whether it's in like a romantic kind of relationship, or like in a family member, that if they're not kind of, there isn't kind of, they're not 100% meeting your needs and the wants and the feelings that you have, then you should move on. Or that you should not spend as much time with them. Um, And if they're not affirming everything that you feel, then they're not for you. A lot of culture around us have noticed is that um, love almost looks like that you've got to affirm everything of what, the inner person feels. Does that make sense? So I, I have this kind of feeling, uh, whether good or bad, um, to do something all the time and what it means to love me is to actually affirm that want and that kind of uh, desire that I have. But not just kind of tolerate it, but to actually go, no, I'm going to promote this. Does that make sense? It goes one step further and that's that's what love is kind of tending to be now that I'm noticing. And so, and it's, it's one of the kind of main things, you know, the examples I've given with feeling and giving up on people and love being about affirming desires and feelings and almost promoting it all the time is that it's about me. Love is, is so centred around me or, or the, the inner person. Love is self-obsessed, it's, it's self-focused, it's feelings-driven and kind of about fulfilling personal desire. But it, just for just a side note, if you think about it, if, if everyone lived by this way where it's kind of like I'm living for myself, only my inward desires, I, want, I need everyone else to help me fulfill my needs and my desires... But if everyone has that kind of inward focus and no one's looking out, like theoretically, if everyone did it, no one's looking out, and it'd be a very, very lonely place. It'd be a very lonely place, and it would not be... I, I think I'm seeing it a little bit more and more. When, you, when you're so focused on yourself, you're not focused on other people, and it takes its toll. But this is, this is not what you see in Jesus. This is not what you see in his uh, life and teachings. And this brings me to my first point. I'll grab the next one. Oh, there it is. Um, <laughs> which is love is not inward, kind of me focused. Jesus shows us this. So Jesus, he defines this, he, he defines love in a very different way. And what you can see in the life and in the teachings of Jesus is that it's, it's, at its very core, it's the opposite to this. It's very opposite to kind of this inward kind of, I need to love everything about 
um, I need to fulfill every single desire of myself and everyone needs to serve me in that way. It's not inward focus, but it's, it's much outward, like we were saying. So if you go back to the, uh, the passage we read before, it's, it's outward focus. You see this in Jesus' life with the relationship with the Father. And he spent time with him. Chris spoke on that as well. He went off often to pray. He was seeking to be with the Lord always. And then out of that, he was loving other people. He seldom did things for himself that I can never really think of. And so this is such a radically different way of doing things. And I kind of, I want to spend a decent amount of time um, of my message tonight just even going through some of the examples that Jesus shows with his life and his teachings about what does it look like to love God and what is love defined like and how do we do that to other people. Cool? Sweet. So, John, you don't have to look all these up. Um, (laughs) If you want to, you can. I don't have slides from. Um, John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. That's completely outward. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing selfish about that. Often we quote this at Anzac Day. Uh, I've seen this, I've heard this a lot, and, and rightly so. They, these guys laid down their lives. People laid down their lives for us, literally, um, and that is not an inward focus, that's an outward focus. Matthew 16 verse 24 says, uh, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, or anyone follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself. Again, that's not very inward focus. That's like, a, I'm going to suspend what I want to do and my, my will and what I want to do in life which is like complete opposite to what much of our culture is saying, and I'm going to take up my cross, I'm going to deny myself, I'm going to kind of crucify myself in a way and live in Jesus, and I'm going to follow him. It's, it's very outward focused. That's not an inward thing at all. Luke chapter 6, verses 35, Jesus says, But love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Love your enemies. It's not very self-serving to love your enemies. Do good. Lend to people. Expect nothing in return. Be kind to ungrateful and evil people. That's not, that's not a me-focused type thing. That is a loving someone else type thing. And to be honest, like you see that um, some of the harshest words that Jesus has for people, which is usually the Pharisees, are people that are self-obsessed with themselves, who haven't quite caught on to what it means to love God and love others. He, he has the harshest words for those who are so inwardly centred all the time. So particularly in the Gospel of Luke, and, and you'll see this in, in Matthew as well, you see Jesus, he absolutely scorns these religious leaders, the Pharisees, kind of for their inward focus. It's, it's everywhere. He says that they, they tithe, they give a bit of everything that they have, whether it's like herbs or like bits of garment, and for all to, to see. They, do, they give for all to see. And what he says is that they neglect justice and love. 
They're so inwardly focused that even when they're doing their good things, they're wanting to be seen by others. They're wanting to make it about them rather than about God and about others. And they neglect justice and love. He scorns them for being selfish in having the best seats in the synagogue, which is kind of like, I don't know, first century Jewish um, uh, church. And um, so kind of like a meeting place where they did all the scriptures and things like that. Um, and in like the marketplace, they wanted like the best tables so they could say hello to everyone and, and be seen by others. And at the banquet tables that they go to, they want the best seats to be seen by others. And in Matthew chapter 23, he, he does this, you know, it's called the seven woes. Um, and it's all directed at these guys again. Um, and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful. Whitewashed tombs that outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. <laughs> Could you imagine Jesus saying that to you? He's just like, <laughs> But his point is, is that you guys look squeaky clean on the outside. You look pretty good. You look like a nice white tomb, you know what I mean? You look beautiful on the outside, but you are like a rotting person inside. You're dead. That type of idea. He scorns them that much for how inwardly focused they are. For how much they turned what God desired us to do into something for selfish gain. And so um, even do these things. He uses them as an example on the Sermon on the Mount of how not to pray, how not to give, how not to fast because they're making it about themselves. It's so, it's everywhere. He has the harshest words for this kind of real selfish spin on life. Now I'll grab my next slide. So another kind of theme that you'll see is that Jesus, he didn't show love to particular people. He didn't love to just only, only the Jews, for instance, but he showed it to everyone. He showed it to everyone. And we, most of us will know this, but he, he, showed, he showed love to the poor. He had time for the poor. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Luke chapter 4, that's like the start of his kind of um, his ministry at the time. So he invites people in. He spends time with the poor. He uses this example of a banquet table in one of his parables. We did it at um, the Christmas uh, Christmas play and event that we did here. And he goes, says, go out and find the poor people. Go find the, the people who are sick, the people who don't have much and bring them in. Women. He has time for women. He loves women. And that sounds really funny now. You're just like, okay, yeah, we, all, we love women. That's, that's good. We've, we've come a long way there. Um, but back in the first century, many of you would know, they, they were kind of almost second-class citizens in, in many ways. Um, like men in particular didn't have a lot of time for them, particularly not Pharisees or like rabbis and things like that. It wasn't common in that time. And you, you think of the woman at the well. Everyone, most people would know the story of the woman at the well. He, he spent time with this woman. He listened to her. He asked questions. He probed a bit. He's kind of like, what are you doing here midday? Like, what's happening? And he spent time with them. And you see him spend time with women uh, throughout his ministry. He's tender-hearted toward women where society at the time wouldn't have done it. 
different races. So same parable, like say to the Samaritans. Like they, um, the Samaritans and Jews weren't really very good friends. Um, they, they didn't get along very, very well. Um, and Jesus is spending time with a female Samaritan. It's just like, could you go any worse back in that day? Like, you know what I mean? As a religious leader. And he's spending time with them. He doesn't care what ethnicity they are. He loves them. He spends time with them. Even his oppressors, his enemies in a way, or the enemies to, of the time, um, I guess you could call them Rome. Um, and you look at um, the centurion. We all remember this one where he's, he's wanting his servant. He, he finds Jesus, this Roman centurion, pretty high up. And he's like, Jesus, I need you to heal my servant. I need you to heal my servant. He is, he is he's badly ill and he's dying. And he, he basically is showing that, like, I, I don't think I'm even worthy to have you in my own house, but I believe that you can do this. And, and Jesus says, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And he, so he spends time with even the people that would end up crucifying him in the end. He spends time with the unclean and the un, and the sick, the unsick, the unclean and the sick. Um, and to be clean, unclean, like by either having a disease or like uh, having um, like cuts and blood type thing, that's like sign of unclean uncleanliness. Um, you just they're kind of they were fairly well ostracized in that society as well. Like you think of lepers and things like that. People didn't treat him. He, he did not. He not only kind of spent time with these people, but he touched them. Do you know what I mean? He laid his hands on him to heal him. He, I imagine he would have given them a hug. Um, <laughs> the, the chosen shows it that way, so it must be real. No, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but he spent time with them. He even spent time, and I could keep going and going and going, but he spent time with the women of the night. You see this, this lady... In Luke 7, we see Jesus hanging out with uh, some Pharisees at, at dinner, and we all, we, most of us will know this as well, but this lady of the night comes in, and she's just weeping at Jesus' feet. And with her tears, she's, she's like cleaning his feet, and then gets this alabaster jar of like ointment and just pours it all over him. And that, I can't remember what it is, but it's worth a lot of money. It was like, I don't know, half a year to a year wage. Don't quote me on that. But it, it was a lot. It was worth a lot, this ointment. And, and it wouldn't have been advantageous for Jesus in, in the kind of, um, in the sight and company of Pharisees, these high up religious leaders, to, um, to kind of let this woman do what she was doing. It would have been like a get out of here, get out of here type of thing. But he, he has much, much, better words to say. He loves her and he accepts her. He accepts this gift. And he says, he, he actually uses her as an example of someone who's loving well and looking after guests. Something that the Pharisees weren't doing at that time. There's another aspect of Jesus' love in, in my next slide. He, Jesus showed that love isn't always comfortable. Love isn't always comfortable, it's not always easy or even what we would maybe want or desire. It's not comfortable, it's not easy all the time and it can be really hard. And you think of those religious leaders, those, those woes that I already said, like he had some pretty tough love for them. He spent time with them still, he had heaps of dinners with them, we see that throughout the gospel and he, he spends the time to give them some tough love sometimes. He said even to love 
those his enemies and, and probably people that uh, could be underneath that banner are not enemies but it wouldn't be a stretch to say that those you could extend that to people that you don't like and don't agree with. And Jesus spent time with these people. And with these Pharisees, and I'll get to a bit more context of this, but it meant that he actually was willing to tell them the truth. It was, he was willing to tell them the truth. He wasn't just going to sit back and affirm what they would do it. He saw, he saw what was happening in, in the house of God with these people that were meant to be leading other people, all um, God's people. And he, he had the guts to tell them that that's, a, that's actually not okay. That's not okay. He loved in that way. And you think of the woman at the well. Um, he does this in a much tender way in this, and I'll, I'll pick on that in a sec. But you see him, he talks to this woman at the well. He's just like, why are you here at midday? Why? Like, um, because normally you'd go in the morning kind of thing when it's nice and cool and the, the sun hasn't quite, it's just coming up type thing to get you water. Why would you be doing that? And it turns out he's, she's, she's slept with a bunch, she's had a, a few other husbands before and she's sleeping with someone else. But he doesn't just scorn her and he's like, wow, you're doing a horrible job type thing. But he has the love and he has the wisdom to kind of say sin no more. And this lady, she, she ends up like going off to her um, town and telling of Jesus, this Messiah that's coming. So, and I'm not saying that now you have the permission to just go up to anyone who's doing the wrong thing and just be like, how dare you, you Pharisee, or whatever like that. That's not what I'm getting at at all. It, in my own uh, experience, it takes a lot of wisdom. Uh, Jesus even talks about it. He says to take the big log out of your own eye before trying to take someone out of a little speck out of someone else's eye. Um, you, there's, there's processes to it. There's wisdom. And you even see Jesus do that. And that's the point. Even just those two examples with the Pharisees, he was just brutal in a way. Um, but that was this tough love. He was just like, I am I'm for the truth and you need to hear this. Your hearts are so hardened that it has gotten to a point where I need to be like this. Whereas the woman at the well, he took a way different tact. He didn't just kind of go... Uh, just keep doing what you keep doing what you're doing. He actually he actually said no. Like, if you're following God, this is like do something else. Here's the truth. You're not in. You're not walking in a good path at the moment. And it takes a lot of wisdom. Um, so it often takes a lot of rapport. I'm not saying this is like something we should do. Absolutely, be looking out for every single time you see someone do something wrong. But loving each other enough to kind of, particularly your close friends, you know what I mean, to kind of have that hard conversation, be like, hey, like, I've noticed this, like, and ask some questions. Like, is there something I can help out with? I really, particularly our brothers and sisters in Christ I'm talking about, it's kind of like, hey, because I I love God and I want to love you, and I know you love God and I know you want to love others. Like, how can we help? How can we pray for you? How can we get behind you? Rather than just letting it keep going. Love actually can be a little uncomfortable sometimes. I'll grab my next slide. So Jesus, I've got only a couple little ones left. So Jesus shows that love is not primarily a feeling. Jesus shows that love is not primarily a feeling. So God loves us 
And, and you think about that. If it, if it was just a feeling, <laughs> if it wasn't something more like a commitment, he would have given up on all of us a very long time ago. <laughs> you, think of, um, you think of the Old Testament, you think of Israel um, and how like check it up and down their past is and you think about even ours as a church in history, how up and down we followed, we haven't followed Jesus, even in our own lives. If it was just a feeling, Jesus probably would have given up by now. Long, long long ago. And Jesus shows that, that he's, God shows this to us, that he's committed to us. Love isn't just a feeling, although it can be a part of it, it's nice, like it's cool. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's nothing of a feeling, but it is primarily seen in Jesus' life as commitment, it's action, it's a choice sometimes, it's sacrifice for other people. And we see this primarily in Jesus going to the cross. But Jesus, he gives up his life. He, he is so committed to us and, and helping us to find true life in him to, to make what was broken whole again. He's so committed and, and not feelings driven in that way that he would die on a cross. And he would die on a cross for us. And lastly, Jesus' love is sacrificial. Jesus, he dies on the cross for his enemies. He dies for those who don't like him. He dies for those who are not committed all the time, that do go up and down. The sin, the worst of the worst people, he dies for them. He shows this love in, in this kind of um, peak moment in his ministry. He shows it all throughout what he teaches, all throughout how he acts and what he does. But the peak, we see this, the pinnacle thing is that Jesus dies on the cross and that is love. He did lay down his life. He did deny himself and he was following God. He did it for us. So, I want to invite the band up now. I'll give you back your thing. But let us as apprentices of Jesus be a people that walk in how Jesus defines and shows love. It can be hard to be influenced and not to be influenced by the culture around us, but this is a crucial thing of difference we need to be. We need to be, as apprentices of Jesus, people that are looking to Jesus as our example, the person we're trying to be moulded and shaped into more and more, We need to be a people that take steps towards giving our whole life to loving him, every aspect of who we are, to love him and to love others in the same way that we see Jesus doing it. So I want to ask you one question as you go to after church, as you sing some songs. Maybe you want to spend a bit of time with Jesus. You want to spend time with God going, I'm sorry, I think we can all do this in some shape or form. We can go, hey God, I've been too me focused. I'm sorry for where I've done that. Lord, help me to love you more. Help me to love others more. Help me to know how to love others more. Give me wisdom of when to talk to friends or people and so on and so forth. But what is one thing that you guys can do tonight into this week that might stir your heart up to love God and love others some more? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to wonder um, how to define love, Lord God. We don't have to look to the world around us for how it might do it, Lord. We don't have to go with the ebbs and flows of how it changes often. 
But Lord, we can look to you as your apprentices, as your disciples, Lord. We can look to you for what love is. We can look to you for how you loved, how you taught us to love, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to do that. Lord, let this life not be about us and our inward kind of wants, Lord, and our own will, but Lord, that we would lay down that, that your will be done, Lord God. That your will would be done. Amen.